we are about to embark upon another July 4th, as uh, we do every year. And, and uh, uh, I saw an interesting post on, on, on Twitter. Uh, somebody uh, put out a, <laughs> a tweet that said, I, I checked the order of service at my church for this weekend. Um, nothing about patriotism. I can finally go to church on July 4th weekend. Um, it's a, it, it's kind of interesting to me that uh, I've, I've always took, taken the stance that that we need to to be patriotic, that it's okay to be patriotic, as long as we don't put it before God. As long as when we're talking about country and talking about service and sacrifice, that we don't take God out of the center of that discussion, and that in the midst of that discussion, we are we are thankful to God for those who have sacrificed to give us the freedom that we that we enjoy so that we can worship him and that there's a there's a right way to have patriotism and keep God at the center of it and there's a wrong way to have patriotism where we don't acknowledge God at all and we just simply look like we're worshiping the flag if you will and we are we're we're taking that to extremes and and so I think there's a balance that can be had there, um, because if we are supposed to be thankful to God for the things that He has given us, the freedoms that we have in this country, and those who have sacrificed for it, are truly a gift from God, in my opinion. And so there's a there's a there's a place for us to 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 have that, and a way to have that that keeps it that keeps it balanced and. <clears throat> and keeps God in the, uh, first and foremost in the in the process and the discussion. And I uh, always like to, to talk about that a little bit. And it was interesting to me that this particular week, I'm going to derail for a moment here. This particular week, we, we had a Supreme Court decision that had to do with a graphic artist who was being asked to make a website that went against her Christian beliefs. And the Supreme Court said that the state did not have the right to compel her to make a form of artistic expression that, that went against her conscience on a major issue like her religious beliefs. So essentially, when she was asked to make a website for, for, a, for a gay marriage and she decided, no, I don't want to do that because it goes against my, my beliefs, the state said, well, yeah, you can't do that because you're offering public services. And as a public servant, you have to do whatever comes your way. And that's discrimination. And the Supreme Court said, no, the United States is supposed to be made up of a varying group of people with multitudes of opinions and different beliefs. And as such, the remedy for that is we are tolerant of the different belief that different beliefs that we find in different individuals, and we are not allowed to compel you to believe the way the state says you should believe. And and to me, that is, and this is, I want to wrap this up this way, but to me, that is a validation of a Christian-based government. And I say that because I've always told people that when we talk about the about having a Christian-based or Christian foundation in the United States, one of the ways I see that is we have the freedom to practice and the freedom to worship God as we are called to do. And because of our Christian beliefs, we are allowed and we can we can witness to others. But if they choose not to hear and accept what we say, 
they they have the right and the and the the ability to go on about their merry way and believe what they want to believe. And it's that foundation of freedom that we have in Christ that allows us to be able to do that. And I was I was witnessing to, witnessing to someone at work one time, and they said, "Oh, you Christians, all you want to do is convert me." I said, "You know what? You're right. That's true." I, I, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, go against that because I do. But at the same time, you know, if you decide to go another direction, that's that's your choice. And and I and I, I talked about how I believe that that we were founded on Christian beliefs and and a Christian foundation, and that those freedoms give you that freedom to decide not to not to hear me or not to listen to me. But it gives me the same freedom to be able to tell you what I believe, and and that we we don't want to destroy that foundation. Because if we do, then your freedom to to not hear me goes away, along with my freedom to tell you what I need to tell you. And and so we had that discussion, and, and he looked at me kind of weird, and he said, I have never heard a Christian talk like that before. And I said, well, I don't think that it's all that uncommon, and, I, and hopefully I'm not wrong, uh, but when I heard that Supreme Court decision and read the opinion, that said that essentially our remedy is tolerance not and not to compel i went that's the foundation that's that's part of the basis of of freedom in christ <clears throat> tolerating others witnessing to them but not compelling them because that's how god works with us he tolerates all of us who don't follow him he tolerates all of us who, who, who have rejected him to a point, right? And, but yet he wants us willingly not to be compelled to come to him, but to willingly come to him. And so there's a lot more I could say about that, but I'll stop and open it up for, for comments here in the first few minutes since I decided to derail this morning like I do once in a while. Um, anybody? Anybody? Mary, take, go ahead. I think people's perception, you know, you said your friend said something like, well, I've never heard a Christian speak like that before. I think people have, have a perception that Christians would say things like, you know, gay people are going to hell, you know, and instead of being approached with love, you know, and we need to be, we need to pursue people like Jesus would pursue people instead of trying to convince people that the way they're living is wrong, which in many ways, the way all of us are living is wrong. I mean, we're all simple, but we just need to approach people with love instead of beating them over the head with everything. And you can approach people with love and still tell them the truth. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that when we say approach people with love, we're not saying that we shouldn't be truthful yeah. and that we shouldn't preach the gospel and we shouldn't talk about sin. All those things are part of it. But there's a way to do it without coming in with a giant baseball bat and hitting somebody over the head and, and, and causing them to stop listening to you. When you knock them out, they're not going to hear you. You know, <laughs> it might be fun at first, but they're not going to hear you. Anybody else? Tolerance has become such a sticky word, though. Because it doesn't mean to people what it should mean. Tolerance, tolerance does not mean that I'm saying it's okay and that I accept what you're doing. And in this day and age, that's what tolerance has become. Yeah. People think that if you're tolerating something, oh, then it's okay. It's fine if I do what I'm doing, and 
that's not the case. Tolerance does not mean that I am promoting you. Tolerance does not mean that I'm accepting. Tolerance means that I'm going to, to, to do my thing and you're going to do your thing. And, and, we, and we shouldn't, we shouldn't be, be you know, essentially trying to stop one another from doing our own thing. And, and unfortunately, you're right, th this day and age, it seems like when we, are, when we are tolerant, it is taken as, oh, you've accepted me and I can, I can, I can now, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and, and it's, a, it's a fine line to walk. And it's a tough one to walk. Um, it, I, I, yes, exactly. It has to. It has to go both ways. It has to go both ways, Jim. And, and and I think that's the problem. Is once the door is open for one way, they just that sometimes the 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 group, the people, the the sin, whatever it may be that you're tolerating, runs through the door, and tries to run you over in the process. And that's the and that's the part that is 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 difficult. It's difficult. Yeah, anything else? I had a, I listened to a lady this week, Riley Gaines. She's been on the news for the last few weeks. And uh, they offered, Nike offered her three million dollars if she would come to it. And she said, uh -uh. no. And I thought that was such a testimony to her that money couldn't buy her faith. Yeah, she's she's been she's been before Congress lately and and been very outspoken for some of the things that she's she's had to endure, and uh, that's interesting. I didn't realize that Nike had had made her an offer. <laughs> Mary, you are one of the more active people on Facebook. It's yeah. That's why you escaped. Yeah, as long as you don't let it pull you in. <laughs> yeah, as long as you don't let it pull you in. Uh, anything else before we move on and go back into the book of Acts? All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump back into Acts chapter 16 this morning. And um, we had uh, just finished up talking about the... Uh, talking about Paul and Silas in prison after uh, we'd, we'd gone through the conversion of Lydia. We'd gone through uh, Paul and Silas being dragged into prison after they had um, uh, commanded the spirit out of the fortune-telling lady who was following them around for days as they went to the place of prayer. And then we also talked about the uh, incident as they were singing and praising God in the, in the late hours of the night after being beaten with rods and how the, the prison shook and their shackles fell off and they witnessed to the, the guard. They were able to convert the, God, the guard and his family uh, to believers in God. And I think we were down about verse 35 here in chapter 16 uh, in the book of Acts. And it was right before we start to talk about uh, what transpired for how they had decided to try and get Paul and Silas out of uh, the city of Philippi. Because remember, they are Roman citizens and they have been treated unfairly. They have been beaten and put in jail without due process. And that 
is not supposed to be the way that things are handled. Uh, so after the jailer has been saved and his family has been converted, in verse 35, we find the scriptures saying, but when it was day, the magistrates sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. Verse 38 says, the police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they, visit, so they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. So what's taking place here? We know that, that they have been beaten. They have been unjustly thrown into prison. And now Paul plays the Roman citizens card. Now he tells the jailer, wait a minute, they, they did all this to us publicly, and now they want us to basically just sneak out. Now they're saying, oh, well, just, just, just go ahead. Now, we don't really know why they decided to let them out of prison. We don't know if they found out that they were Roman citizens. We don't know if they thought, well, we beat them, and now they've spent the whole night in jail. Perhaps that's enough punishment. Whatever the real reason is, they've just sent word, let these people out. Let them go. And Paul says, no, this is not how it's going to happen. They're going to come down here and they're going to take us out. We're going to, we're going to make a little bit of a show here. Why, why does he want to do that? I'm going to get y'all speak somehow today. So. <laughs> He says they were establishing their innocence for the sake of the church in Philippi and its future. Yeah. That's kind of a big deal because think about it. If, if the folks that they had preached to and the folks that they had because there's no synagogue here. They've been preaching, open air preaching probably. They've been going to the place of prayer outside the city at the river and witnessing to the, the ladies who were there. That's how Lydia was converted. That's how the church got founded. And now these people get arrested and they're beaten publicly. And if you let them out and they sneak out of town, kind of, kind of make no, you know, no announcement or, or, or don't do anything to let it be known that they've been let out of jail. They just go poof. <laughs> it takes away from the validity of what they were doing. It, it makes them look guilty. You know? As Roman citizens, they were supposed to have a trial. Everything the magistrates did to them was against Roman law. Everything. Everything. That's, that's but, but I always go back to the, the flip side of that, Mary, because the, the way that you received your trial was all you had to do was proclaim, wait a minute, I'm a Roman citizen. And they couldn't touch you. And, and Paul and Silas, did, they did not proclaim at that time that they were Roman citizens. For whatever reason, 
for, for whatever the, whatever they're, they're, they were led to uh, to do that, they didn't proclaim it. And so, so yes, they were wrong in doing what they did to them, but I don't know how they would have known. I think they really did know. You think so? Oh, yeah. And, and uh, that they proclaimed it, and they knew the magistrates and the people knew that they were Roman citizens. So certainly, certainly after they said they could go, then they let them know that they were Roman citizens for sure. And at that point, they really didn't have any choice but to try to make it, make it better and to try and, and smooth it over. But in order to try and protect, I think, to protect the gospel and to protect what, uh, what the church that had been founded, kind of like, like I said in your, in your, your Bible, Bev, that it's, it, it's necessary for the public to see that these men are being let go and that they are leaving of their own free will and not that they are sneaking away under some sort of cover to try and, and make it look like they didn't, that, that they did something wrong. If they were to follow the proper procedures, they would have found out they were Roman citizens. That's true. Yeah. It's kind of like saying, you know, and in their newspaper, you go to the back page and say, everything we said yesterday is wrong, but yeah. <laughs> put the disclaimer in here now. So. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The headline is huge, and when it's wrong, it's fine print. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Does anybody know how they would know? Like, I mean, I would assume that anybody that's about to get beaten would be like, "I'm a Roman citizen." <laughs> I, well, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. That person, but was it thirty dollars? They gotta last a little longer than one. But, yeah. But I, I don't think I got enough. I got a feeling that when you, because like I said, the, the magistrates walked around with with those with with rods, yeah. with the intent, of, it was, you know, to show that they were allowed to give corporal punishment. And if I see that man coming my way, I think I would be going, "Hey, I'm I'm a citizen." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're, I don't don't lay a hand on me. I'm I'm a citizen. Like, that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You start playing that right off the bat, and and so it's it's a good question. I don't know unless there's a process where you have to in in as part of the due process. Do you have to have someone come and and I'm sure it's documented somewhere, but come and stand up for you and be able to vouch for the fact that you are in fact a Roman citizen? Um, I don't know. Oh, go ahead, please. Yes. Um, it says Paul knew the law regulating the punishment of Roman citizens having been illegally beaten and denied trial he refused to be released and pretended nothing happened Paul's Roman citizenship is mentioned here for the first time in Acts then it references Roman citizen brings up from all that it says the question arises as to how Paul would have proven his citizenship there were probably a register in Taurus that recorded his citizenship, but his citizens also often carried small wooden tablets, some of which have been found, something like a modern passport that they used to prove their citizenship. Perhaps Paul carried such a document. I had not ever, ever read that anywhere. That's interesting. I love this Bible. Every single verse <laughs> is broken down that way. That's great. Yeah. That is great. Yeah. <clears throat> or 
or maybe it says it somewhere else, you know, like it mentioned. But kind of like a, I guess, kind of like carrying a driver's license or something today. You you had uh, uh, proof of Roman citizenship. Yeah, yeah. I had not I had not seen that anywhere. And so yeah, perhaps. Yeah, anything, anything is certainly is certainly possible. Uh, but but I like uh, you go to go along completely with what you're uh, with, with what you read there. They're not going to uh, to allow themselves to leave town without making a little bit of a scene. Uh, you've got to, You've got to make sure that the gospel is protected and that the church that has been founded has the ability to grow and, and when they leave town it's in the right light yeah anything else before we read on y'all sleep today or something aren't you it, it, it did say that it said the officers referred this to the magistrates and when they heard that all sides were Roman citizens my father said they were alarmed. I think you said they were fearful or something yeah let's see they were yeah, they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. Yeah. Now, whether the officers already knew, well, it's not like the magistrates did. Yeah, the yeah the, the police. So 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 they proclaimed that they were, but they did it after. So the magistrates sent word to let them go, right. and then so the so the the guards or the police, if you will, came in and said, "All right, guys, you're free to get out of here. Go on and get out of town." And they're like, no, we're Roman citizens and we shouldn't have been treated this way. So they went back and told them and then they were upset. And so they did come down and apologize to them that they had handled it incorrectly. And then they took them out and asked them to leave the city. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, they're not leaving. Yeah, this could be a problem. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that I'm sure all of this, like the main plot about citizenship, was probably just part of the strategy to make make everything more impactful. I, I would not put anything past Paul when it comes to strategy. Yeah, he he's a, he's a thinker, he's a strategizer, <clears throat> and he's <clears throat> and he does it all out of the desire to follow his calling to bring the gospel. Uh, to the Gentiles, and uh, and he's he's. I mean, I I I would go so far as to say he's a bit of a conniver, um, but but in a good way, and and it's it, it you know that could be a bad thing to say about about somebody. But when you read a lot of Paul's writings, certainly when you uh, when you read Philemon, and you read the way that he's nudging and encouraging and trying um, to to get the uh, the uh, Onesimus uh, owner to to come to a a certain decision without saying it he, everything he says is a a bit of a prod or a poke in a direction so I could certainly see Paul saying all right now we're going to be quiet and we're we're going to bring this out when it's most beneficial we'll take a beating for the gospel. We'll take a beating to get in jail and be able to witness to other prisoners and other people, right? Go ahead. Yeah. It says, um, it says, Luke does not say so, but clearly the violent earthquake was an act of God in response to the prayers and praises of Paul and Silas. 
the jailer understood. So basically goes on to say, they thought this earthquake was punishing them for putting them in jail, right? And so, like you said, he witnessed to this jailer and saved him, and it goes on to say that baptism for the jailer and all his family followed almost immediately on her profession of faith. So, I mean, that's, yeah. you know, they didn't want to be there, but they used that experience to witness, and then, you know. It, there was a purpose in all of it. Right. Yeah, there was a purpose in all of it. And then it goes on to tell us as they did leave the city, then they, they, they basically visited Lydia. So I assume, they, I assume they went by Lydia's house and they encouraged the brothers um, who were meeting there since that's, that's where the church was founded in Philippi. And uh, then they continued on their way in, ver in chapter 17. It talks about them going to Thessalonica. Um, I'm going to read to you something here from the from the ESV study Bible that, that kind of uh, does an encapsulation of some of the things we are about to, to, to read. We're gonna read a lot about over the next, uh, through most of chapter 17 about them going from place to place to place and, and how they went there. And uh, where's this at here? Well, maybe I will, here we go. No, that's not it either. I've lost it. Oh, no. What have I done? I read that this morning. And I said, oh, I should read that in class. And now I can't find it. Well, when I do find it, it breaks down the, the journeys of, uh, of, of Paul and, and Silas as they're going about their, and Timothy, as they're going about their from place to place because they're, uh, they're traveling between cities that are about a day's journey, give or take. Uh, and in the process, I will find this, but it may not be today. So <laughs> uh, here it is. I found it. Because um, in, in in verse fifteen in chapter seventeen, we'll we'll, we'll 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 be in the middle of a split here, where Paul goes one way and Timothy and uh, and Silas stay put. And we'll read about that in a minute, but I thought I'd give us kind of a preamble here of, of where, where we're going with all this. Um, he says, Luke, Luke does not at this point give many details about the travels of Silas and Timothy, but Paul gives more information in 1 Thessalonians. So the passages here that we're going to read in Acts through chapter 17 and 18 reveal all of this. It says, Paul traveled to Athens, leaving Silas and Timothy in Berea. Paul summoned Silas and Timothy to join him in Athens. Silas and Timothy joined Paul in Athens. Paul became concerned for the churches he had just founded in Macedonia, which were Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. So he sends Timothy to Thessalonica to find out how that church was doing amid its persecution and opposition. At the same time, he must have sent Silas elsewhere in Macedonia, being willing to be left in Athens alone. It's likely that Silas went to it, at least to Philippi, but possibly also to Berea. Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. Silas and Timothy joined Paul again in Corinth, bringing good news from the churches of Macedonia. And from Corinth, Paul wrote his, Corinth, Paul wrote his two letters to Thessalonica, Thessalonians 1 and 2. 
And, and so this, that's kind of a, a quick, we're going to, I'm just trying, trying to prepare and lay the groundwork for what we're going to read about this bouncing around this, okay, I'm going to stay here, you go there. Oh, we need to go back over here and do this. And so if you envision this taking place in a, a certain geographical region, there's a lot of stuff happening to just try to keep the churches stable and deal with uprising and deal with problems. And we're going to read about how Jews in the certain cities were, they had a different attitude. We're going to read about how certain Jews were more noble than others and accepted things differently than others. And not only did they accept things, but they, they searched the scriptures to find out if what Paul was saying was so. And they had a different approach to listening and being open. And some Jews just flat out just drove them out of town and they, they didn't want to hear about it. And so we're going to see all these different experiences here over the next uh, couple of chapters as we read through some things. And so I just wanted to lay that groundwork because there's a, uh, when we're doing a lot of reading like that, it can feel like we're just kind of droning on and not getting anywhere. But this are, these are all important steps that were taken uh, in the process to, to establish the early church, to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, and the work it must have taken Paul and Timothy and Silas to constantly be, you know, I, I, I was, uh, y'all know, most of you do anyway, that I, I spend way too much time watching TV westerns. And, and I think sometimes how it must have been when a, a stagecoach come, comes through and stops at a, at a station and they're headed to town and you send word with that, with that group of people to, to, to the sheriff for the sheriff to come back for something. Just as an example. Well, you know that you're going to wait a couple of days until that guy shows up. And I think about how, and, and these guys have got horses. Now, this is, a, this is even worse than that in this particular instance. And, and we're, we're waiting for messages to be sent back and forth between churches with messenger and, and, and with totally archaic ways of being able to communicate. No cell phone, no internet, no email. You know, the Pony Express didn't exist. We got to realize how difficult communication had to be between churches and to get things back. And yet, not only did the communication happen, but Paul is able to sit in prison and dictate to other people inspired words that wind up being the New Testament and those letters be delivered to churches and preserved for us to sit here and talk about on Sunday morning. So as we read about all of these journeys, and what I'm doing is spending so much time talking about them that we're not going to have time to actually talk about them. But, <laughs> but you get the point. I want, to, I want to have the right mindset as we go into them that, that in and of themselves, I think they're miracles. I think it's, it's, it, it's something that is clearly so ordained by God that these things are going to happen that there was no way they weren't going to happen. And yet we read these things and we take for granted, we'll read two or three paragraphs, and we don't come to the realization that this took days. This was, this was, a, was a, a major undertaking to, to get word from a church that there's a problem, to, to send people over here and to deal with all of these things. 
the way they had to be dealt with in order to preserve the, the church and to and to to do what God was calling them to do. And it was and it's incredible their dedication to not just go. All right, let's see. I've been beaten. I've had to you know I've had to 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 be outside in the terrible weather and endure while I'm traveling from city to city. I've got people who don't want to listen to me. I've got Jews that are calling me crazy and trying to run me out of town. I've got all these things going on. But in the middle of all those things, we get these tidbits of information that are so important about the people who believed and about those who were converted, about the jailer and his family, about the, the, the women and the men who were in certain positions who believed, about the opportunity Paul gets to, to preach to large crowds. All of these things kept them going. And their desire to do what God had called them to do. I wondered today, when we're called to serve God, how quickly would we say, it's uncomfortable. I don't feel good enough doing this. This is hard. When, when would we give up? When we see how they didn't, it should inspire us. And, and so I want us to have that mindset as we go in all of these things that took place as they were um, as they were following God and doing what God had called them to do. So, go ahead. That's the best way to bring people to Jesus is in the jail. But there's two things that I've heard this week that Paul sang when he, when he was in jail. He sang to men, and they said, who would have the courage to sing in such a time? And this is interesting to me. I, and I, and I think about him having the wounds that he would have had after being beaten by, by rods. Man, we know he had the wounds because we know that the jailer washed his wounds after the jailer came to know Christ. And so, like we said last week, the jailer, the, the, the jailer was washed of his sins, and he was also washing the wounds of those who had brought him to Christ. And it's a, it's a wonderful picture of, of what takes place when we are saved and then how you become a servant and, and what you do. Uh, leading leading up to that. So um, we're, we are going to stop and it's 1042. So we will get into you 17 next week. I think I've laid the groundwork. I hope you remember it because I'll probably forget it. So <laughs> when I come in next week, y'all need to remind me of the groundwork that we've laid. And then we'll get into Paul and Silas and Thessalonica and what takes place there. Uh, we'll talk about the Jews that are getting an uproar. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Jason, and then we'll talk about Berea and Athens, and uh, then we'll also talk about Paul giving his speech uh, or his sermon at the Oropagus, and hopefully we'll we'll get into that next week as well. So, uh, closing comments, questions, criticisms, or other things perhaps you'd like to throw at me for any other reason. 
speaking, right. of, speaking of delivering messages, one of my favorite shows is Seinfeld. And one of my favorite things about Seinfeld now is that there's no cell phones. Yeah. So you just watch the show, it's like, oh my gosh, what a wonderful time. And everybody's just sitting down and eating. Yeah. <laughs> but there's this one episode where, um, now I'm getting real sidetracked, but this is what was on my mind when you're teaching us about the whole. <laughs> There's an episode where Jerry is at the comedy club. He's supposed to meet everybody else at the uh, movie theater, and he has to. He can't get a hold of him on a payphone, so he has to physically leave the comedy club to go tell him, "I can't go, can't meet y'all movies," and then go back. But you're right. Stagecoach, <laughs> but it's not. But not much. Yeah, not much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, see, I thought of that last night. I was watching, I think I was watching, or yesterday afternoon, I was watching uh, Laramie or something. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm a Western nut lately. My wife will tell you. Yeah. It's get, it's gotten weird. It's dry, 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 dry. I was thinking that too. We're talking about traveling messages back and forth. I'm like, well, Gunsmoke, they did this. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, they did have the telegraph. In, in Gunsmoke, they had telegraph. So, because because every time the Indians are attacking, I don't mean anything negative against Native Americans here. But every time the Indians are attacking, one of the first things they do is they cut the telegraph wire. That way, they can't telegraph for help. So, anyway, all right. <laughs> I think we better pray and get out of here. All right, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you again, uh, Lord. We just I'm grateful for the fellowship we have here with uh, everyone, and and we just thank you that we can come here and we can just. We can just spend this time, Lord, uh, in, in not only in fellowship with one another, not only in enjoying each other's time and company, but, but we, can, we can just freely talk about your word. And uh, Lord, I, I, I just I can feel the spirit moving as we, as we open up your word and we look for the, the meaning that's here. And I thank you that, that, uh, uh, that everyone comes here and they feel uh, comfortable enough to talk and, and that we can just have discussions. Um, it, it helps me, and I, I pray that it helps others here. Um, Lord, just help us to continue uh, to have this openness in this class, and uh, uh, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to sit here. Uh, Lord, be with us as we depart from this room. Uh, help us to remember your words and apply them properly. Uh, be with Brother Tink this morning as he delivers your message, and uh, help uh, those who are here, Lord, to, to, to be open to the invitation. Uh, help them to be moved by the the good news that they hear and father we continue to pray that your kingdom will grow and we pray that established relationships will become stronger thank you again for all you've done lord in jesus name amen